0: are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspired you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. You remember Remember as kids hearing that joke, you know, I remember when as a kid you, you hear that joke about like the, the good luck, bad luck type of stuff. You know, is like, you know, there's a guy who gets to go up in an airplane, well, that's good luck, but then the plane crashes, well, that's bad luck, but it's okay because the guy's got a parachute, well, that's good luck, but the parachute doesn't open, so that's bad luck, but it's okay because he's got a backup parachute, so that's good luck, but the backup parachute doesn't work either, so that's bad luck. But as he's falling, he's heading towards a haystack. That's good luck, but he totally misses it. That's bad luck. You know, and you've got kind of that, that whole thing. And, and today, I want us to look at the life of Joseph. And we can read this in Genesis chapter 37. And let me give you a little synopsis this morning. Joseph was favored by his father. Well, that's good, right? But because he was favored, his brothers hated him. So that's bad and then joseph's father for his birthday gives him a coat which is just many colors and it's just magical coat and that's great but then that causes his brothers to hate him even more and they decide that they're going to kill him so that's bad so then what happens is they throw him into a pit and they're planning to kill him but then one brother sort of feels conviction he's like you know what we can't do this to our brother we can't kill him well that's good But they said, instead of killing him, why don't you say we make some money off of this and we'll sell him as a slave to a merchant? Well, that's bad. You think you have family issues. So he goes off and he's a slave, but he starts to serve in Potiphar's house. And Potiphar is a well-known man in in Egypt. And he he does so well in there, he has favor in there, that he grows and he becomes well-known in the household and he becomes in charge of Potiphar's house. That's great. But then Potiphar's wife, becomes attracted to him and she wants to lay with him and that's bad but he is a man of of moral integrity and he says no I will not do with this and that's great but then his wife tells a, a story tells a lie and he ends up getting thrown into a dungeon and he basically he's back in the pit again well that's bad but in the dungeon he meets somebody in there who has the ability to be able to get him out and he deciphers a dream for this guy he says don't forget me that's good but then the guy completely forgets him and he spends two more years in the jail. And that's bad. But then all of a sudden the king has these, these, these vivid dreams and he wants to know what, what they mean and nobody can interpret them for him. So they, this guy remembers Joseph and he gets Joseph and, and Joseph stands before the king and says, I can't interpret this dream, but it's only the Lord who gives interpretation. The Lord gives him the interpretation and he becomes the second most powerful man in all of Egypt that's good Have you been there life can be difficult things can happen that we don't plan you know I've spoken with people who said pastor I feel like I have whiplash things seem to go well then boom out of nowhere something hits me you have a season of excitement and faith and then a season comes of disappointment and heartache you know you're praying for that certain job It's like, Lord, I know you want me to get this job, and then all of a sudden the Lord gives it to you, then you find out your boss is a real jerk and makes your life miserable. Or, you know what, you plan to have a family, and you get married and you just can't wait, and then you find out you can't have kids. Or maybe you've suffered with some miscarriages and you've lost babies. And in these moments, in these difficult seasons, we're talking about thanksgiving, and how how do we become thankful in the midst of darkness how to become thankful in the midst of trials because what happens there is we start to say Lord why what's wrong with me God why would you do this to me Lord God is there something in my life that I'm not doing right right is there a curse over me God that 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 just kinda is opening me up to an attack of the enemy and see I just find that in those times of darkness When things don't go the way that we think they should go, the enemy kind of has a field day in our mind. And he always starts out with, see, on Sunday you are worshiping God. But obviously he doesn't care. And then we allow that to process within our filters. And we start to say, God, you don't care about me, Lord. If God really loved me, He wouldn't. He wouldn't what? God is crazy about us. The Bible talks about His faithfulness. And we need to have that so solidified in our spirit. Because the Bible says that in this world we will have troubles. You know what? They're coming. Every single one of us in this world, in this room, is going to hit a crisis in one time of your life or another loss of a loved one, a decision that a family member makes. And if you're not so fired up and, and, and have that, that understanding of who God is, then when the enemy starts to whisper into our minds, we start to believe it and say, yeah, there's truth in that. Part of this sabbatical is I, is I started taking a course called Crest. Crest. And I learned this in Crest, and I thought that I could share it to you this morning. I think it's pretty amazing. And and maybe this part here is going to be more of a teach than a preach. But this is kind of like a circle of life. Every single one of us has experiences that come our way. And when experiences happen, we, we sit there and we just kind of process, like, Lord, where are you in this? And sometimes experiences are good, and sometimes experiences are bad. You know what, for fun this morning, let's just say that you're so excited about getting married, and you're going to get married to the man of your dreams. And, and you're, the way that you were brought up, your dad every day would make your mom coffee and bring it into her in bed and say, you know what, good morning, beloved, and give you a cup of coffee. And you, you kind of know what marriage is going to be like. So then all of a sudden, you get married, the honeymoon happens in the morning, you wake up, and when you roll over and you, you, you smell that, for that smell of, of coffee, but all you smell is your husband's breath as he's still sleeping beside you. And you're like, that is not what I was expecting. An experience happened. <coughs> Excuse me. An experience happened. Something that you didn't expect. And then once we have that experience, we have to interpret it. We have to interpret it. So when when in that place of interpretation, that is when the enemy starts to have a field day with us, and you start to think, well, if he really loved me, he would have set his alarm and he would have got up early and made me a cup of coffee because I'm not a morning person, and this is what I need to be able to start my day off correctly. So I wonder if I married the right man. And all of a sudden, we start, to, we start to process this. And this happens to us every single day. An experience happens, and then after the experience happens, we need to interpret it. And once the interpretation comes, then we establish a belief system in our life. You know what? I believe that I have married the wrong man because he has not made me coffee in bed because he doesn't love me and whether it's a true statement or whether it's a false statement when a belief is established within our heart that is a very difficult thing to break because once we understand the belief whether it's right or whether it's wrong that is a belief within our heart and then once that belief is established within our heart we have a choice to make and the choice is always founded on the belief so when the choice comes up it's like you know what I am not going to live in a marriage with a husband that doesn't love me. You know what, man, what happens if I blew it and I married the wrong guy and the, the guy of my dreams is still out there somewhere and then all of a sudden we start to think the choice that I need to make is I need to talk to a lawyer and I need to end this thing right now because it, it is completely a, a nightmare of what I'm living in. go back a little bit, I went too far here. Can you see how your interpretation of certain experiences have developed into beliefs that influence your current choices? Does some of you in this room as sons and daughters of the Lord need to reinterpret some of the current beliefs that you're carrying on in in life? You know what, this happens again all the time you know what, I don't know your story, but every single person in this room has a story. Maybe in grade four, you know, they, they had that, that dodgeball game and they were picking teams and, and you got chose last. And then all of a sudden that interpretation is, you know what, I'm not good enough because I always get picked last. And then junior high is completely different you go from the elementary school to the junior high and when you go into junior high you walk into the cafeteria and that's a completely different story. And immediately you walk in and you scan tables and there's all the different cliques sitting at the tables there's the cool kids table there's the geek table there's the jock table and you walk in and you're just like where am I going to sit. And if you try to break that social thing and say, you know what, I'm going to go sit with the cool kids and you walk over here because I'm a cool kid and immediately they say, you know what, this seat's saved. Get away from me. All of a sudden it's kind of like that dagger that is in our hearts. And that dagger forms beliefs and those beliefs are developed on complete falsities that carry us out in life until we're 60, 70 years old, still believing, you know what, nobody likes me i'm not popular you know what i'm the loser of the class and you walk into your jobs and you walk through life and you know what you you have these belief systems and the lord is saying son daughter i'm crazy about you you're the apple of my eye but yet we can't understand that and we can't see it And we start to say things like, you know what? I'm never going to fit in. I'm stupid. I must do whatever that is for the Lord so He's going to love me more. I'm the black sheep of my family. I can't do anything right. Or God is unfair. God who doesn't love me because whatever took place in my life, God, where were you there? Life can hurt. Things can happen. Things we don't understand. But as Francis Chan says well, If I was God, what would you do? And do, he said, you'd do what? The Bible says, our thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. See, when we start to think that, you know what, how, God, why are not you not responding to it like I would? It's a very dangerous place to be. Because really... If it was our thoughts, would you send your son to the cross to die for mankind? Could you bear that? Or be like, there's got to be another way. We need to walk in that place and say, God, I don't know what you're doing in my life right now, God. And this journey is very difficult that I'm on, Lord. The book that I finished last night by John Eldridge is called The Sacred Romance. And that whole book basically talks about the premise of adding new questions. When, when those times that go tough, instead of saying, God, why? We need to say, Lord, where are you taking me in this? Where is the sacred romance in here? Because God, I know your word and your word says that what the enemy has planned for evil, that God will use for good. And Lord Jesus, I just need to trust you. That God, you're not going to leave me. You're not going to forsake me. The God, you've got me in the palm of your hand. And Lord, I'm going to stand with you. I came across this little testimony. And I know there's people in this room who've got some pretty amazing testimonies. And live testimonies, I think, are better than video testimonies. But I just didn't want to, I just didn't feel that to put anybody on the spot or to ask anybody to share something that was really a difficult season in their life. So I thought I'd share this this morning through video.
1: I met this kid in my youth group when I was 15 years old. I went to a very charismatic church, you know, the kind where you lift up your hands and you worship the Lord. And you sing Jehovah Jireh 77 times in a row. (laughs) That was my church. That was my church. And I'll never forget this particular Wednesday night, um, sitting there with my girlfriends, just lifting up my hands, worshiping God. and, And I looked in the back of the room and in came walking in the three of the yummiest guys I'd ever seen. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. I was so excited to be in church, you know. And these guys walked in, they found their seats and they lifted up their hands and they began to worship the Lord, and it was really a moment for me where I thought, man, these guys are amazing, you know, they, they really are amazing and they seem like they love God, and I thought, I've got to get to know these guys, surely one of them will fall in love with me, if not all three of them, you know, I was really hopeful at that moment, uh, but we lived on the same side of town, got to go to the same fellowship group together, I got to watch their lives and see if they really were interested in the things of God, and I learned that they were and uh, I had my eye on the youngest brother of the three. He had his eye on me and I was so excited. You know, every girl in the youth group wanted to date these guys and they all had their eyes on these guys, but the one brother had his eye on me and uh, I couldn't have been happier when the phone rang and we went on our first date. I was so excited and uh, we dated for seven and a half years and uh, I went off to Bible college and uh, came back from college and then we got married and they were truly some of the greatest Days of my life, everything that I experienced in my dating relationship with him now just overflowed into our marriage, and I loved it. He was the guy that, uh, the guy that spoke life into my spirit. He was the guy of adventure and of fun, and I loved that. He truly loved me well, and uh, he was my absolute best friend and uh, I was in a season of my life after 11 years of marriage signed my first record deal in 1995 took his first name as my last name together we were Tammy and Trent Linderink. but now on the platform I became Tammy Trent and I loved it because we were in it together he started managing me all kinds of great things were going on but I was also still in a season where I just sort of wondered like what's next sometimes we're in those places where we feel bored we feel stuck we feel unmoved and we just wonder where God is and uh, if he's still listening, if he's still there, do you still see this girl? You know, some of those questioning seasons. And um, I was in that season where I just sort of wondered what's next, you know, am I supposed to do another album, uh, write a book or be on the road touring or come off the road after 11 years of marriage, maybe starting a family. You know, a lot of questions I had and I was asked to go on a mission trip to Jamaica and uh, I thought it was a really pivotal time in my life and uh, I I felt like God was really gonna do something and show up and um, tell me something important Uh, I felt like this was a a real important trip we came to this beautiful legendary place called the Blue Lagoon and uh, Trent wanted to free dive in the Blue Lagoon and I remember sitting there on the edge of the water as he slipped into the water and halfway between the dock and that hole where he was free diving he lifted up his head out of the water and he waved goodbye to me just like he'd done a million times before only that time was different. I had no idea that that'd be the last time I'd ever see him alive. So I watched him a few times come up and down for breath and then I got sidetracked watching some other swimmers in the area and finishing my lunch and probably 30 minutes had gone by and I realized I hadn't seen him. So I looked out into the blue lagoon and I I didn't see anything, couldn't find anything. I got closer to the edge of the water and started to look out more intently and I still saw nothing. And I remember that moment fear gripped every part of my being really for like the first time in my life I mean we've all had fear and I'm afraid and but like the depth of fear if you've ever experienced it I was experiencing at that moment I knew that something was wrong desperately wrong and I didn't know how to change it I didn't know how to stop it I knew really at that moment that my life would never be the same again and uh, we called in a dive team that began to search for him in the lagoon and hours went by and they still found nothing and then it day turned into dark and we had to call off the search and the search began the next morning and I'll never forget um, being at the home of two strangers at that time as the search began the doctor coming into my room he said Tammy come into the room I want to show you the television quickly and I walked into that room the morning of September 11th 2001 and uh, I was watching the television as the second plane plowed into the Twin Towers in New York City and uh, I thought for the first time in my life that this must be the end of the world. You know, I really felt like that. And, um, I don't know if you remember where you might've been at that moment. I don't think any of us will ever fully forget that the impact that that had on all of our lives, but especially on my life, uh, as I was stuck in Jamaica, searching for my own husband, you know, and then I was, was trapped there basically for 10 more days. No, no flights were leaving. All flights were grounded. And, um, it was really a time in my life where I just began to call out to God, like, God, if you're real, if you see this girl, I need you more than ever before I need to know that you're real. I need to know that heaven is real. You know, all those things that we've maybe grown up in our youth group being taught, you know, like it all came down to this moment for me. Like, like I'd practiced for this moment my whole life, worshiping in church, going through the Word of God, Wednesday night church services learning about the things of God memorizing scripture being taught that God is faithful that nothing will he ever leave me alone in you know all of these things that I practiced believing it and living it my whole life and it all came down to this moment did I really believe it did I really believe all the promises of God and you know what I stood on the edge of the water and I I made a choice life is about a series of choices, you know, and this was just another one for me, and I made a choice at that moment to to believe, to believe, and um, to trust God, and to know that somehow He put my life back together again. Now, listen, I hated everything that was happening in my life. I hated it, and there's times I still say it today, you know, all these years later, you know, like I hate what's happened in my life. I would go back and take it back in a heartbeat and have the life I had, but I can't deny that God has has done something with it um, I could I could even dare say that you know that I believe God has chosen me um, because hopefully he knew that I would do something beautiful with it you know and and maybe today if um, if you're in a place in your life you just feel like you can't breathe anymore and, and why God why why me maybe maybe you take a step back from that and and see it as something like God is trusting you God's trusting you today with whatever it is you might be going through and he's trusting that you're gonna come out that you're gonna choose to come out on the other side you're gonna come out ahead you're gonna come out stronger you're gonna come out braver more beautiful more courageous and and if you allow God he will take this in your life the circumstances and he will use it he will use this and he will use you to impact somebody else's life and I'm telling you there's nothing greater than when we're going through something even when we hate it and we can't see the light at the end of the tunnel there's nothing greater than when you finally get to the end of the tunnel and you see all these people standing there going thank you thank you so much thank you so much for doing something with your pain that has helped me thank you there's nothing greater than that so I would encourage you today to not give up to not play the part of a victim and blame God for everything in your life it may be happening for a reason if God sees that it will serve a greater purpose in your life I believe he'll allow it to happen in your life and I believe he has seen that even my loss becoming widowed at a young age he saw that as becoming something greater in my life that I would do something with it now I've not done everything right along the way but but I have given God the glory and I have seen Thousands and thousands of people uh, find hope in their own circumstances because I was brave enough to stand up and say, I still believe.
0: Is that a powerful video? Well, friends, the heart of a pastor breaks when I see and I talk to fallen kids that I've ministered to who are now denying Christ. And there's nothing I can say that can really prepare us, I think, for when tragedy does come or when trials do come. But it's so important for us at this time to practice the presence of the Lord in our households. It's so much bigger than just coming to a church service and just hearing the message on Sunday. But it's Monday to Sunday seeking the face of God and just saying, "Lord, I want to know you." Lord, I want to know you intimately. I want to chase that sacred romance, God. Because, Lord, when I know you, then I will truly know that you are good. And when something happens, and the enemy starts to whisper into our ears and say, See, where is your God? at that moment like Tammy Trent said we can make a choice and say God I know you are good and I don't like where I am right now I don't like this season but Lord I trust you the God that you're gonna take me through it we read about Joseph And some of the things that Joseph experienced, man, I can never imagine being sold by your family. Being thrown into a pit, into a dungeon, and left there to rot. But in the midst of darkness, verse 2 says, and this is before Joseph became the second of, of all of Egypt. It says, the Lord was with Joseph. This is, when Joseph was taken to Egypt to the Ishmaelite trader, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was the captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph and he exceeded in everything he did and he served in the home of the Egyptian master. He was in the middle of slavery. He was in the middle of a dark time, yet the word of God just throws that in there. The Lord was with Joseph as a reminder to us that no matter what you're facing at this very moment, that the Lord is with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He's crazy about you. And we need to, friends, get that so deep into our spirits that we can say in the midst of that darkness, Lord, I sent your presence. And Lord, I know you are with me. I think many of us only give credit to God when things are going well because we can see his hand of provision in our lives. But God is with us through the good, through the bad, and through the ugly. As a slave, Joseph wasn't in charge of his life. What happened to him or why these things happened to him The only choice he had was intentionally to choose to trust in God in all his circumstances and allow his life to be used for God's purposes. My friends, that is the God that we serve. And I just encourage you this morning, let's just stand to our feet. And let's just get into that... Place of praise. And in that time, in that presence of worship, whether you want to come up the front, whether you want to stay back there, it doesn't really matter, but in that presence of worship that we open up our hearts to the Lord. And we either say, Lord, I want to know you, God. That, Lord, when tough times come, I know who I am in you. I know that I'm a son. I know that I'm a daughter of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and I know that you are good. Or maybe you're here and you're in the midst of it. And as I'm speaking, you're just kind of like, Lord, that's exactly where I am. Lord, I've been wrestling so much just to try to see the silver lining. I've been wrestling so much to see where you are in this. But God, today I'm going to choose not to be the victim. And I'm going to choose to give you the glory and the honor, for you are good. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Holy Community Church, a place where families come together.